Johnson, and you're listening to the Starting Block Podcast. This is a show for complete athletic development. Our objective, our mission here is to give you the tools to win, whether you're the athlete, the parent, or the coach. If you're new to the show, welcome. Appreciate you joining. We operate slightly off track compared to a lot of other shows out there. We actually have multiple shows within the show, multiple episodes within our show. So the first episode you'll hear from us is our Q&A. It's where myself and my co-host, Chris Scarborough. What's up, Chris? Good afternoon. That is where Chris and I will take the questions you guys submit to us about sport performance, training, rehab, nutrition, neuro stuff, that voodoo stuff you hear us talk about all the time. Any of that stuff, we'll tackle it on the Q&A. Chris, where can they submit questions? Info at startingblockpodcast.com. Yes. All right. That's episode one. Episode two is the other bi-weekly episode. That is our guest interview. And that is essentially like every other podcast on the planet. Uh, <clears throat> it's just ours are better. Um, the guest <laughs> interview, we're going to bring in our colleagues, friends from across the country, across, across the globe. And we're going to share, they're going to share their stories of success, their tools, what they do with their clients, their patients, and their gym, their practice. And like I always say, it's become an awesome place for our audience to network and get connected with other professionals that share the same core values and mission that we do here at the starting block and it's a great resource for you guys Um, i'm gonna bring our guest on here in just a second the final episode though that we have which you'll hear from us maybe once a quarter ish maybe every couple months is going to be that friday fact maybe fire depending on what kind of mood i'm in but it's just going to be about you know 10 15 minutes of just diving into something maybe a little off topics but somewhere in our industry maybe it was an interesting case that i saw you know, it, it, a particular day during the week or has something to do with motivation business, just some type of insight I might be able to provide you after having you know, done this for 16 years now. So those are our episodes. We also ask that you pay your dues, guys. If you got value out of the show, if you learned something, if you liked our guests, if Chris and I didn't completely suck, then just share the show, please. That's all we ask. We don't run ads. We don't charge anything. We're not on Patreon, none of that stuff. So just share the show if you can. And so this is actually a perfect segue. It feels like uh, Mr. Matt Hank's airplane is actually arriving <laughs> into our studio as we speak so without further ado we are pleased to welcome mr matt hank to the show what's up bro hey thanks for having me yep stuff's flying over us so hopefully we'll be good that was was good timing so for those of you that don't know matt matt is a performance coach at santa monica sports performance clearly in santa monica california he's got some great stuff on social media been really looking forward to diving into this conversation and yeah thanks for uh, joining the show man we appreciate it yeah, thanks for having me. You know, similar type of uh, relationships with some of the guests you've had, so that's good. Probably pretty like-minded with some of the ideas and concepts, which is a good thing. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we were talking before the show here just about just kind of flipping through, preparing for the show, getting to know a little bit more about you. I followed your stuff for a long time, but really dig into the posts a little bit more. And you had the super cap, and we were saying we just got our super cap from Dynabody in this week, and yeah. that is an awesome piece of equipment. Yeah, there it is in the garage gym. Yeah. So, yeah. So I um, operate a couple couple things here. So I'm the head strength coach at college in Santa Monica, Santa Monica College. But then I do some tra- private training as well. So in the garage gym here, I got my super cat, and it's just been super easy. Is what I tell people with the super cat in terms of it, effectiveness of using it and that sort of thing. I played around in the past with it, but um, now I'm just like diving in full on. Love yeah. It. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's a piece of equipment that I've wanted for like 12 years, but yeah. I feel like they kind of stopped production of it for a minute. Like you couldn't really find it anywhere. And if you did, it was like eight grand. And so I just happened to find on Facebook marketplace. There's a guy, I live out in the middle of nowhere. For those of you who don't know, like we live way, way out in the country. There was a guy 20, 30 minutes away from us, just selling it out of his home garage, just getting rid of his gym. Got it for like a thousand bucks. It's in perfect shape. It was great. And so my wife was not too happy with it. She uh, was not pleased that I was spending that money on it. But, hey, you know, it's like I'm like a kid in the candy shop, right? Like, <laughs> I just yeah. want good Well, my wife was more pissed because I got mine straight up retail for what they sell it for off their website. So <laughs> It's like four grand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I had to just private credit card. You don't need to see where that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's a Dynabody piece, though, man. And yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Our whole gym is outfitted with Dynabody. And Dyna, mm-hmm. Dynabody is going to last forever. I've, mm-hmm. uh, I've worked mm-hmm. with Heavy for years. They're great. It's great equipment. I've always liked it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So but, uh, I mean, even if you just want to dive into that real quick, some of the things that I like about it is that we were kind of talking before on air, just the ease of it. So I have a 12-year-old son, and when I have him do some basic movements and just like, oh, you're going to squat jump or something, like I don't have to teach anything. It's literally get on it and jump, <laughs> like get some yeah. depth or jump. And we can go into more detail on this sort of thing, but like I train off a of different, like understanding some different mechanisms and things like that. So like even he knows little bit about like arches of the feet and he's only 12 right or just like pull the pinky toes up or things like that so he can do those easy little um additions to like a squat jump for example on the super cat so that's one of the main reasons i was like all right this is a no-brainer yeah i i I would say we were saying before the show i've had a very similar experience and we just got ours i've used them before but not in my gym setting and i had a kid yesterday a younger athlete. He's only been here a handful of times. I don't even know if he's been here a month, to be honest with you, but not very strong, kind of lanky, your typical, probably 13 year old, you know, getting involved with it. And I was really just amazed. I really didn't even need to give him very many cues. It's almost like the machine just basically taught him how to squat essentially. And I, I was just really impressed with the versatility of it. Now, my older guys, they hate it because I absolutely destroyed them on it yesterday. <laughs> but I was really impressed right. with the versatility of it yesterday. Yeah, so I, I agree. I got a question, though, specifically because I was watching, uh, Coach Hank, a couple of the drills that you had on Instagram. In particular, you're working what yeah, up leg, down leg. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's what Coach Barr you know, was referring to as up leg, down leg. First of all, what is that? What does that mean? Up leg, down leg. Uh, and then since you mentioned it, go a little bit in what's the, what does the pinky toe, how, how in the world does that impact athletic performance in any way, shape, or form? Yeah. So I guess let's go the up leg, down leg part of it first. Yep. Um, yeah, of course, I got some of these main ideas that I'm using today from a Darian. You know, I, I went down different rabbit holes in the past that were, like, unique and different. I, I really like that. So when I came across and his ideas and then met him in person, now we've, you know, hung out many, many times. It's like, this is a no-brainer going into some of these concepts. So this one is based off the idea that your, <clears throat> your body has these tendencies, like, built in. And, and we see these, too. You guys, we all know this stuff. Like, hey, this guy or gal is right-handed. Oh, he or she always kicks with the left foot. He or she always jumps off the right foot. But, like, take it to another level, um, the way we look at the up and down leg is, like, literally the tendency of one leg likes to squat down and one leg likes to, like, pop you up. And it, it tends to um, be a little bit more hip hinging on that up leg versus the down leg. Like, you'd like to go and squat on that leg more. So, more flexion through ankle, knee, hip 
<clears throat> and then like people would be asking me, well, how do you even know what is what? And sometimes it's like, well, I don't know. I got to figure it out. But one way that's super easy that I've used now, even with our college athletes, is um, just the question. Like if you're going to jump and dunk, you know, and it depends, maybe they can't dunk, but you're going to jump off one leg as high as you can. Say it's a basketball player, I'll use the word dunk. Which leg do you dunk off? Oh, I, I dunk off, I jump off my left. Okay. And then I don't say anything. I drop something on the ground, right? Just whatever. I have a, a pen or something in my hand. I drop it on the ground. I go, you got to pick it up with one leg only. Just squat down and pick up my pen. Like I don't overthink it. And they go to, oh, he, he bends on his right leg to bend down. I say one leg only you can use to go down and pick up my pen. Bam. He goes and he picks up the pen on his right leg to squat or hinges on the left to pick up the pen. So they both give you the information you need, right? So, <clears throat> so you're like, okay, so you, you pop up off of one leg and you tend to go down on the other leg. And I didn't like tell you, you told me the information. It's, it's very natural for you. So then we just start building those asymmetries into actual training. And it's harder than it sounds in like the group setting where I'm, when I'm with my college kids, when I'm with one-on-ones and like, like myself and my son or like my um, assistant coach, Nick, at the college, we do a ton of stuff up leg, down leg. Uh, when it comes to the bigger groups, 30, 40, 50 kids, the college kids, we're, we're trying to figure out how to streamline that, but we still talk about that with them. And this, that's where it stems from, is that, when, like say when you sprint, for example, one leg tends to yield more down leg. <laughs> one leg you tend to pop off a little bit more and quicker and not yield and not bend and have as much flexion. Huh, up leg. That sort of so thing. I just want to make sure before we go too much deeper that I got that I understand this and that our audience understands as well. Are you saying there is a difference typically between one leg that's going to be more strength dominant and one leg is going to be more elastic or plyo dominant? Is that correct? Um, you could use the quality words, or you could sure. just think of it as functional, like of the the task of what it can do itself. So I don't per se use the quality words that you just used because then I would start to get into like I only do heavy strength on my left leg which is my up leg and then I only do um sure but like the the brain like prefers one way or the other maybe I guess yeah yeah, that's how I'm sitting here thinking like I would jump off my left leg but if I had to pick something up or squat down I'd probably use my right one yeah and that's how I am as well so then you start manipulating things like hey we're doing sprint starts today so in even a group setting we can play around with that like hey let's if they know that the athletes know of the groups, let's start with down leg in front first. You can ride it a little more. We're already teaching our kids um, like shin angle change and staying squatted and this rolling action. So they already know these things as we, we, we hammer it home with them. All right, let's try the right leg. In, or your down leg, excuse me. That's my right. My down leg in front first, I could ride it a little more. It drops me down. Maybe you see the team, like the athletes are popping up too quick and then athletic stance will drill it. Maybe you go... Um, down leg in front to start drops them down a little bit deeper in that versus pop it straight up like something simple as that versus other coaches would go hey athletes stay down stay down how come you're not staying low and like they wouldn't have any um, they wouldn't base it off any mechanism they would just base it off of how loud they can yell at their athletes and how much like intensity versus we're like no no like let's look on something very specific and then we can even tie that into the kind of pinky toe thing in a second here too yeah I don't know if you yeah, have any, anything else in the up down part first, maybe. I was just I'm curious, do you see any type of change based on fatigue? Does the body ever flip flop? Uh, or, or injury. Because <laughs> I had yeah. a ruptured Achilles tendon years ago. So 
Yeah, I mean, I, that was a good question, John, because, I, I mean, I've wondered, you know, have I yeah. switched since the injury? Yeah, no, I think so. I think we've seen, not myself, like, um, again, my assistant Nick at the college, we, we train all the time together. And one time he thought he was kind of switching from his up to his down, and sometimes maybe you see that. Um, but the tendencies are there. It's pretty easy. Like, in a session, just be like, all right, which leg you want to get up off of on a vert? Which leg would you want to go down on? All right, there you go. That's where you're at today. And most of the time, for, like I said, for me, it stayed the same so far. You know, people, I've talked to other people about this, and I know Darian has, and they try to relate it to, like, dominant, non-dominant. And I wouldn't even go that far. I would just, it is what it is. There might be tendencies of down leg relates to dominant or this or that. I don't even go there. I just, which leg do you feel more comfortable yielding on or dropping on? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but back to injury too, that could be a thing. Maybe you were using, maybe you were always trying to get the the pop out of like the down leg, but the down leg should just been yielding and riding you, and you were trying to explode up off of it or something like that. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like thinking of it that way, asymmetries mm-hmm. back to some of these. Not to like preventing injuries per se, but just like, hey, maybe the mechanism wasn't utilized the way you should have and didn't maximize performance, or maybe it did even cause injury. Who knows? Mm-hmm. All right. Nice. Now let's get into the pinky toe. You, you've, yeah. you've piqued my interest here. Yeah. Let's hear this. <laughs> oh, well, this is just another concept of um, playing around with the arches of the feet. And so if you've seen a lot of the stuff I've done over the last three or four years, we use like bricks that are cut in half. And this again is a Darian's idea, which is funny because he got it from um, when he did a like tour in Europe, in Italy, they have a lot of those half paved bricks. And then I went to Italy like six months later after him and I was like running around. I'm like, Oh, there you go. And I know what you're talking about. But the idea is this is like, um, your foot has different arches, right? So, but what we try to do, one thing is influence this transverse arch. So the people that can see the video, I always kind of use this image. It's like pinky toe to big toe. And I go across pinky toe to big toe is an important arch that we want to have the integrity of that arch. But also when you go, so say it's, again, if you visualize this is my foot, so I don't, that's kind of disgusting, put my foot up here and show you guys. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> pretend this is my foot, this is my big toe, pinky toe. If I roll to that big toe, and I don't push off big toe, I don't do big toe push-offs, and I don't worry about all these big toe drills like other people do, but pulling up the pinky, that rolls you onto the big toe so I can get over it. So you get to the inside edge, but with integrity. Like, we don't want stuff collapsing. We don't want, you know, I know there's a lot of debate on different individuals, and I know you've talked to some of them um, about ankles and things like that and collapsing, and I don't even get into all that with those kind of people. I just say, like, you watch the fastest of the fast, they get to the inside edge, that first met head, really fast, and they propel off of that. So that's what I teach, really. Like, if we're doing speed, you watch the fastest of the fast, they go from the outside, they get to that first met head, and they roll over it, and they go. They don't roll off the outside of their foot with this ankle in a different position than that. That's what they do. So that's right. why so how do you start to it. train that? Literally, like I said, if you go on Instagram, you'll see us doing things on bricks back to that. This is a very small surface area. You can only fit your transverse arch on it, essentially, depending on like size of your foot, whatever. But for the most part, you can only fit that those med heads of your foot onto the brick. And then we just work on the integrity of not collapsing in those like squats, lunges, drop squats, oscillations, Jay Schroeder stuff, but on bricks. So we're taking all those ideas that people are doing. I used to do Franz Bosch stuff, kind of eliminated some of those ideas, but then I went to doing them on bricks, things like that. Um, it's just an easy way to teach that. And then you literally, 
your hands and feet are connected. So you guys do a bunch of neurological talks and stuff like that too. So it's hands and feet connected. Pull my pinky, t- pull my fin- pinky fingers up right now, just sitting here. Pull my pinky, pinky fingers up super hard. My arch, my uh, pinky toe doop, kind of comes up as well. And I, and I sort of roll to the inside edge a little bit. But pull it hard. So, like you just, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Just, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see yeah. You'll see. You just find these little tweaks. Like you'll see somebody running super fast and the pinky's out and you're like, that's not a coincidence or is it? I don't know. Well, it's, it's kind of funny you bring that up, Coach, because, you know, we, we do this very basic, I call it ankle pop drill, where we just do mm-hmm. one foot then the other. Basically, it's like a, you know, lift one foot up at the ankle and you'll see the opposite wrist. So it's ankle yeah. wrist, you know. Ankle just like wrist connected, see, yeah. Yeah. And just like you'd see, just like you run, I mean, you'd see left shoulder, right hip, you know, and vice versa. So it would, yeah, it would mm-hmm. definitely go along with what you're saying. Peaky little toe, obviously, or you know, you we could pretty much name the joint, and we could find it's it's uh, opposing on the opposite side, you know. And uh, anyway, so yeah, it's interesting you bring that up, but but let's talk then also about okay, what works? So you know, you told us. You know, you've eliminated a number of things. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like in a, <laughs> we'll let that, we'll let the helicopter pass. I've <laughs> never heard of a helicopter. Yeah. That one was a helicopter. I haven't heard yeah. of a helicopter over my house in like six, I don't know how many months. But I think I'll oh, be okay. Oh, maybe it's I'll the let... missing fighter jet. That... Yeah. Oh, there you, you go. Can't find. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. I'll Fire let you know is... if I have to go like cover and uh, yeah. hide no somewhere. Kid. I think that's in Ukraine, actually. Um, yeah. But anyways, <laughs> but as far as like the but think, mm-hmm. but you said that you eliminated a number of things that that you kind of found that uh, you know maybe mm-hmm. they didn't work or maybe they didn't work as well as you thought. So mm-hmm. let's say okay, we're, we've got athletes, and let's face it, every athlete out there wants to get faster. Mm-hmm. So, coach, what works? What <clears throat> works? Well, also then, like you said, what works is sometimes eliminating what doesn't work. So. Um, like if we're going to run, so I posted a lot of like kind of funny videos in the past too, where I had some too much free time. So I just made them to be honest, but, um, making fun of like just the industry, like we want to run fast yet we're standing tall, punching the ground downward. Okay. So say you're an alien, you two are from outer space. You came down and you went over like, I don't know, the track in Eugene and you watched top of the top sprinters sprinting out there and you watched how they run. And then you like flew on a ship and you came over to my training center, our facilities, and watched me doing standing drills, punching straight down. You would think that those two are not even in the same atmosphere. They're not related. They're not correlated because they're not. The correspondence is so minimal at best that I just realized we're eliminating things that aren't running. (laughs) So people go, oh, you don't warm up. And I said, I never said that in my life. I just said, I don't have time for tall marching and skipping and A's and B's and dribbles and things that are only these vertical downward that don't have any like kind of like rotation or movement forward out of it, (coughs) excuse me, and aren't in like athletic based positions. I just don't have time for that anymore. I'm just going to get straight to the nuts and bolts of running and influencing it with different mechanisms and that sort of thing. So I can kind of get into some of those too. Yeah. 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 That leads to the next my next question kind of was I, I I'm looking uh, at all well, your sure. your foot stuff oh, toe stuff mm-hmm. I'm looking at your foot and toe stuff and I equated to what I've said a few times on different shows of we implement a lot of neuro type of work and 
inevitably you hear the, you know, oh, we don't want the, you know, neuro kind of bullshit. We don't want that voodoo. Like, we just want to get stronger. So that brings me to kind of my question of, you know, you go through the pinky toe stuff, which I'm going to start implementing now. But what are some of the other pillars of your program design? Like, what are some other elements that you really tend to rely on? Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of drops, ISO extremes, whatever. Just let's dig into that. Oh, uh, okay. So more towards, like, enhancing speed, though, specifically, you think? or Just anything. Okay. Well, yeah. So, I mean, if we take... Well, I guess that's why I kind of prefaced it that way is because a lot of what I'm doing is like, is it going to transfer? So that was even back to the first question. It was like, why do I eliminate some of this stuff? Because I'm like, I just don't see it helping. So now I'm like, what do I need to do that actually provides some kind of stimulus that they see a benefit on the court, on the field, um, in the water? I mean, I don't train too much. I guess water polo. But um, on the court or on the field or in the turf. And that's where it came back to like, not the old school, oh, you got to push, pull, squat, hip hinge. Oh, it's got to be, you know, bilateral, unilateral. I've kind of eliminated all those concepts. And then it came down to, well, Olympic lifting and those derivatives are the only way to develop power. So then I eliminated those concepts. And then it came down to, well, power lifting is the only way to get strong. So then I eliminated traditional power lifting. If you're talking about a barbell on your back. I mean, we still do some bench and stuff with football and that sort of thing, but it was like, what actually does work? Well, I still want to get kids strong, so let's, again, work on some of these mechanisms. So I'm going to, like, pull myself down into the squat. I don't want to just collapse like a candle melting into the squat. I'm going to go vertical drop down into the squat. I don't care if my heel pops off the ground a little bit when I squat. Um, and that's where the concept started, like, making more and more sense was like, this looks more and more like sport. I'm just adding resistance to it or I'm adding speed to it, right? I'm adding rate of force development to it. And then again, I can add a lot of these mechanisms. So for example, like in sprinting, we've seen a lot of benefit training. We call it like back leg training. So essentially like you say you're in a split squat, but now that I load the back leg and I, that front leg comes up and it's very much squatted on that back leg in it bent position and we've seen tremendous carryover for being able to stay in those squat positions um, out of a cell or even top end so things like that I know I'm kind of going all over the place but it's like I just we don't have like a specific system anymore like we used to you have to do your Olympic lifts your power lifts um, your accessories by Gray Cook like we don't do any of that stuff anymore really like yeah well and, and, <laughs> and I think you're, you're finding a lot more but let's face it we all need to be efficient with our time you know, yeah. there's not, we don't, nobody has the time to do all those different things. So I, I think what you're seeing is a lot of people have come to the same conclusion, coach, that you have. And that is that they, they're like, look, let's eliminate all the things that we found that it's either at best a waste of time and at worst, they actually just, they actually harm because maybe it, maybe it makes our performance worse or it makes our you know whatever it's it's just it's absolutely unnecessary you know so um you know why not spend the time with the things that you know work that actually make someone faster or make someone stronger and make someone stronger that they can then transfer you know not right. just some you know uh you know not just strong for the sake of strength i mean it's uh you know like you said i mean you can't Expect to just go do it like a, like you said, melt into that squat and then expect it to somehow transfer over into, in, into most courts or fields of play. You no, know, you've got to be able to, to get down and get back up or, or, you know, 
be able to, um, you know, as I've seen a lot of it, when you've done a lot of analysis, I've seen you do analysis of, of like receivers and running backs as they're making quick change, very rapid, powerful changes of direction. And by the way, if, if someone's listening to this, go look at some of Coach Hank's analysis on this. You'll see what we're talking about. Someone has no weight on their back, say, on the football field, but when they are changing direction, when they're about to go into, you know, making a, a cut or change of direction, there's no telling how much force is going on to that leg that they're, that they're about to, the down leg in this case, okay, the down leg, the leg that's about to decelerate and then reaccelerate into the other, other direction. Um, I think, Coach, that's probably where I have appreciated your information the most is being able, oh, wow, let's break these, let's break these movements down. How much force is going into some of these athletes as they're decelerating one motion and then moving into another? Right. Even to like to piggyback off of that, sometimes it's not as much like force as we even think with these change of direction movements. And that's what a lot of the analysis comes down to. It's just redirecting the force is what we say now or redirecting the movement. Because that's another thing, like I eliminated all my snap down ideas that I was taught that I had to do, you know, for 10, 15 years. You have to snap down before you can decel. I was like, well, um, have you ever gone to a playground and watched kids run around? They haven't done snap down drills. They still decel and cut. So I was like, I'm cutting mine as well. But um, when, when a lot of these athletes cut, it's not this huge push off. It's just how quickly they can transfer from one foot to the next and keep the ball rolling, keep the rotations going, essentially, is what they're doing on the, all these cuts over and over again. That's just what I started to see. Like you're talking about in all those breakdown of films, I'm like, somebody would hit a hard cut, and they'd be off that foot, roll to the next foot. It wouldn't be a plant and a lateral jump like coaches are teaching the, these days, and they used to, and they still do. Like right. that's not actually a change of direction. It's just a get off of this foot and get into a sprinting mechanics as fast as you can that's essentially what it is Tyree Kill right plant and the get into sprinting technique as fast as you can aka Tyree Kill right they don't really <laughs> extend they they don't triple they, uh, and they don't the triple way, extend to, like you're saying right yep. mm-hmm. right yeah so I'm trying to paint the picture so someone who's listening to this you know they let's say that they plant off their left leg let's say they're mm-hmm. they're running to their left they plant off their left leg redirect it right but they are not – they don't triple extend off their left leg. They almost mm-hmm. fall onto their right leg and mm-hmm. just keep, like you said, keep it rolling. You mm-hmm. know, and so uh, that that was great for me to see because I'll admit, I'll be the first one to admit, I was guilty of that triple extension, you know, back to the right also for the longest time. Now, not anymore, but it, it, it was a great education, though, to see nobody does that. <laughs> nobody who's yeah. successful – you know, you get you get killed. You know, if you're a running back and you and you triple extend, yeah, you just left yourself wide open for someone to. But is that not still you. taught in the mainstream, though? I mean, they 100%. still talk about triple extension all the time. So it's kind of 100%. one of those things like icing or stretching. It's been out here forever that these are not effective tools. Why is this still taught? Why are coaches still implementing this? I think it's because there it comes back first to sprinting. Usually, in my personal opinion, and people I've talked to. And then in sprinting, people went so deep down rabbit holes of, like, it's force production-based, ground reaction forces into the ground. And then people think, oh, to produce more force, I have to really hit the ground, hammer the ground, or get away from the ground. And if you do hit, hammer, or get away, you're extending, bottom line. Like, you're trying to, you're trying to punch the ground with force. You're going to most likely get extended um, 
in your postures and in your technique. So that's one of the things. Like we eliminated that completely. Our athletes don't even know about more force in the ground. They don't even know what that is. Unless they learn from somebody else, maybe. From us, no way. They have no idea what that concept is. So we're get away from the ground. Stay folded. But even to build on this idea, say you do triple extend, like say this is your whole leg or something. Um, how long is it going to take to refold to get back into the front side? Because you just fully extended. It's behind you. It's lagging behind. That's weight. I mean, I'm not like a huge dude, but I'm like, I'm 215, so my, my weight of one of my legs is now behind me, and now i got to refold that and take the energy to refold and get that now to my front side versus if it would have had this fold to begin with. I mean, that's a simplistic way to think of it. How we See, kids, and that's athletes. why being Quadzilla like Saquon Barkley is not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, we- <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's, you know, I, I think what's interesting is for the most part, you know, let's face it, I mean, most of the top sprinters, their hips do extend. Their oh, yeah. knees don't always. It's kind of their mm-hmm. knees that don't really fully mm-hmm. extend. It's almost like mm-hmm. you see a lot of them and their knees are still bent. Like you said, yeah. squatted. You know, we, we mentioned squatted running. Well, you know, mm-hmm. the hip you know, kind of extends behind them, but mm-hmm. that knee is never straight. Like, it's never, you, you know, you're pushing yeah. up into the air, you know, if you're doing something like that. Yeah, but By then the if way, you still, you got to be careful because if you talk to the experts, they'll give you some examples like um, Jacobs from Italy or somebody like that who gets, if I could screen capture, I can screen capture triple extension, but they don't get it. They don't understand that the hip is being displaced at such a fast, rapid rate. The research is already out there. We already know. The faster athletes can have greater um, angular accelerations through their hip. Hello, that means their hip can displace faster in space. So the hip's pulling away. So when they're in the air, they're past max propulsion, maybe the knee slightly extends. But that's the best of the best, like a Marcel Jacobs in Italy. There's not that right. many people that are doing that. And they'll be like, oh, maybe Christian Coleman did it on this one step. Yeah, he probably misstepped, or same idea. This guy pops his hips away so fast when he's anchored in the ground. So your foot's anchored in the ground, and your hip is displacing at such a rapid pace that like, once you get past max propulsion, maybe your knee is starting to extend. To say it's extended and they purposely extended it, that's bogus, and that's completely false. Right. Yeah. And by the way, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to encourage everyone to go back and, and, you know, Coach Hank, and look at your Instagram posts and see what we're talking about. Because a lot of times words don't do this justice. It really doesn't. I mean, you really need to see what we're talking about. And um, you might have done uh, – um, well, I, I think you did Barry Sanders. I, I want to say you yeah, or, yeah. or maybe Coach Barr did, did Barry Sanders. One of the, I, yeah. I mean, I always kind of put him up there on the pedestal. of he's, he's the most unbelievable running back I ever saw. I mean, just amazing. Walter Payton, okay, up there as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, but it doesn't matter. You're right. They de- they never got way off the ground. <laughs> they were they were actually they would like change direction so fast. But they never got that far off the ground. They were just rolling into that next step faster than anybody else. Yeah, yeah. They always bent and adapted like speed mechanics. Long leg, long lever just takes longer to do something with it. These short, compact levers, you can start cycling them quicker. So that's one of the f- quickest ways that we're seeing improvement on our speed training at the college with our athletes, myself and my assistant Nick, and our, both of our personal clients is just bending them, staying folded. The folded limb moves super fast, <laughs> so it can, 
It can do what it's supposed to do. It can go from on the ground to in front of you, and then the cycle can happen really fast. And there's not much coaching there. There's a little bit, yeah, but just stay folded. That's what Barry Sanders, he stays folded the entire time. He's just wiggling, but he stays folded. So that brings me naturally into putting the whole thing together, flipping through your page. I see a lot of – you love the jammer press. You love the jammer. Mm-hmm. I've seen quite a bit of landmine work. You mentioned yeah. coiling a lot, right? Yeah. I see, yeah. you know, that, you know, Darian talks about that, David Weck. Explain to the audience a little bit about coiling and how this whole flow and coil concept works. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I think I first kind of got introduced to the idea it would be David Weck, I would say. And then he's in San Diego, so we've gone down there and visited as well. Um, the idea really, to me, just made sense. It's just rotation, especially like ipsilateral rotation specifically, like same side I'm rotating to. So when we do um, like jammers, they're based off of Sornex equipment, right? The little the lever, the arms swing forward. When we do our jammer exercises, I get into those. And then when we do some of our landmine exercises, they set themselves up really well to twist to one side and rotate your spine to one side and then to the other just like you see with movement too so you see that in sprinting you see this this coil is just a twist to one side that's all it means coil or twist to one side or rotate whatever word you want to use to one side is through the spine but it's specifically like through that kind of low lat and oblique area so we actually train that a lot too and one of the, we train it different ways, isometric, and for sure we train it very like ballistic and dynamic in nature with the jammer. We set ourselves up, like let's say my left leg is in the front, my left arm has the handle, and I'm only going to go one handle. I'm not going to use both all the time, just one. I can coil to the left side, so my left, it's all ipsilateral based. My left leg's in front, that's my up leg. I'll try to kind of be quick off of that leg. I won't drive down as far, and um, I'm going to twist or coil to load that side and then I'll come out of it. Well, and then same on the other side. Right leg. Right leg, I'll coil, but I kind of drive down a little bit deeper. That leg likes to drop down even more. Mm-hmm. So just combining some of these topics to, together a little bit, too. And then it sets itself up really well with the landmine. And David Weck's done a great job. And, um, and Alex, who has Landmine University, has different stuff on how we rotate our... Uh-oh. You got a preschool going on back there? <laughs> I thought that was coming from you. No, <laughs> that's not coming um, from us. <laughs> that's right. Um, and then the landmine sets itself up really well with um, rotation as well. Huh. So we use a lot of uh, that coiling or twisting landmine. So I don't have any literature to support this. Maybe it's out there. I haven't seen it. I, I genuinely haven't even looked. I feel like I have seen a shift with my high school and collegiate athletes where this lack of coil, lack of flow, it, it doesn't exist. These kids are locked in. They're stuck. And I see it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I see it more and more and more frequently. Now, maybe that's just subjective, but let's say that is. Why, why are athletes getting jammed up? Why are they getting stuck in these types of patterns where that flow and coil action doesn't exist anymore? Yeah, that's interesting. Um... I mean, for sure, when these younger kids go to these training gurus out there in these facilities and they're doing all these anti-rotation and anti-everything, like they're just stiff pillar. I mean, it was a good concept, you know, that came out like with athletes' performance. They taught us all this about the pillar strength. And it it came out and had really good intentions, you know, back in the early 2000s. And all the people, not just 
you know, all the, all the gurus are teaching us about pillar strength. And it makes sense. You want integrity through your spine and your core. Like, that makes sense to you and me and everybody. But, like, we don't want to have everything locked up where we can't be flowing. That makes zero sense now. So I think trainers went too far to these pendulums. The pendulum swung so far of anti-movement through the spine and then we're just back squatting and we're deadlifting and then we're doing planks and then we're doing anti-rotational pressing and then like, wait, your spine moved zero. You had a 60-minute workout and your spine literally didn't flex, lateral bend, or have any rotation for 60 minutes. That's crazy. And then maybe just the kids that aren't training, you know, sometimes it's even awareness. Like we talk to our kids about, we do drills and so some practical stuff here. Um, we'll do a drill, like say get offs or starts. And if I'm sprinting and you're right in front of me, you'll say you're the computer right here. You're lined up right in front of me. I got to get around you and sprint. So the only way I can get around you is to dip my shoulder. I have to coil to a sprint. It's not rocket science. It's a start. Coaches have been using that start since God knows how long. All I'm telling them to do is get around your opponent and sprint. But every time they do something like that, they dip a shoulder, they coil to that side because they got to get skinny. You don't have to talk to them about getting skinny. They already know that's the only way to get around this object. And then they can get that into a sprint. So there's ways to train it too. You can sneak it in um, on the field quite easily as well. So you made a very interesting comment. And I, I know we're getting close to, we got about 15 minutes or so left. But you made a comment about the pendulum, and that's an analogy that I use a lot with stuff. I even use it kind of in the political sense as well. The pendulum swings both ways. So, and it's always going to swing back the other way. So my question is, where's that pendulum swinging right now? But where do you see it shifting? Where does that pendulum come back down the other way here in the next 5, 10, 15 years? Yeah, like in this, I think it's topic specific. So like that topic, you know, like the core and its its function, I think it's already starting to shift because of some of the people you're talking about, you know, like, you know, Weck and of course Darian and these kinds of individuals who think outside the box. So I think for the core side of things, I think it's already pendulum back to neutral or even to a better position, in my opinion, where we can move and people are like, purposely flexing their spine with weight people are purposely doing lateral bending now with weight that they would have never done in the early 2000s uh, and it, the pendulum specific so like to sprinting for example you know because i think that was one of the kind of key areas we want to talk about too for sprinting the pendulum i don't know when it's going to shift about get over the force get over it bro get over the force into the ground get over it because that's going to limit the way you think. You're always going to think drive, punch, and hammer down. And it's slightly shifting because even some of the literature, even literature literally just came out yesterday, public, about hip rotation and things like that. So words are starting to be introduced into the vocab of coaches. Um, but for me, that's one thing I want to see personally is the pendulum shift away from, in the sprint world, training robots to training fluid, dynamic humans which they move very fluidly and there's a bit of torque and rotation and it's not like a linear punch up and down wall drill um, piston like action. So that's one thing I want to see with at least the pendulum for sure. Yeah. Hopefully it's soon. What, well, the, uh, fortunately, you know, most of the elite level athletes, I mean the, the world champions in whatever sport kind of always gave us the indicator that, that, you know, we weren't robots. We, we weren't rigid. You know, it, all we had to do was look at them, watch them, watch those elite level performers 
perform and we would see what you're talking about. But but we still, like you said, we just wanted to make people rigid and punch the ground or do whatever and just create more force. And as you said, that wasn't necessarily always what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, you got to make sure you don't crumple into the ground. You got to create right. enough force, but but you right. have to have that the correct direction and all that. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and even like the force element. Think about it. You got two, let's say, male runners. One's running 18 miles an hour. One's running at 23 miles an hour. Okay, the person running at 23 miles an hour, aren't they going faster through space? Through, Of course, the answer is yes. They're going faster because it's 23 miles an hour. Are their limbs moving faster? Well, the research shows yes. Their limbs are moving faster through space. Okay, so this person's running faster by their center mass displacing through space faster. The research shows the limb velocity is faster. It's already proven. So when they fall out of the sky, because you're, you're, you're in the sky when you sprint, two feet are off the ground at one point. So my limbs are moving faster. I'm traveling 23 miles an hour. Does it make sense that I'm going to have a greater impact force into the ground than the athlete that runs 18 miles an hour who has lower limb velocities and slower or less um, velocity in terms of displacement of center mass going linear? It's just common sense is what I'm saying with the, with the force into the ground with sprinting. You don't have to worry about it. You just get faster, and then the force is going to be correlated as well. Like people are reversed it. They just they thought uh, more force, more force, more force. So they're overextending, they're overpunching, and that's their goal now. Instead of thinking about like technique to get faster. So that's what's so frustrating. Okay, and so that leads to the next next question, which is almost a, the, a closing statement, but not really. <laughs> is a practical application, because we do have a lot of athletes that listen to this, you know, collegiate athletes. And so they're listening to this and probably being like, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. And they're going to be like, hey, John or Chris, yep. what do you mean? So <laughs> what do, give Fair. give the athletes or even the dads listening to this a practical step in the right direction? What what can we do just to go ahead and start getting the foot to do its thing, getting this coiling motion? A drill or so just to begin. I know we talked about the brick, but... What else? Because yeah. everybody wants to get faster. Yeah, let's, so let's just stay with the faster part probably right now. And just To get faster, you're going to have to sprint. So that's one. Like, Don't spend your time on fluff. A skips, B skips, and prime times, and dribbles. That's not making you faster. So do what you do in sport. You're a point guard. Okay, you're a fullback. Um, you're a shortstop. Um, I, I mean, I can keep naming sports, obviously. But all those sports have bent positions. So start bent. Squat it. I don't know what word people want to use these days. I get so confused, but they're, they're synonyms to me. Squat, bent, folded. They're all synonyms. Do one of those things and cycle the legs. Don't punch down. So one thing you could do, this is how we started when we first started learning these um, ideas from Adarian. We just got off the ground, not into the ground. So if you stay folded, get off the ground, that's already going to change your technique itself. Then we got more and more specific, but that's where we started. Stay bent and get off the ground. Stop punching into the ground so much. That's the easiest two places, to be honest. I like it. I like it. Nice. <laughs> okay. All right. Final, final thoughts here. One, I finish every episode like this. One piece of mm-hmm. advice you can give the athlete, the parent, or the coach. What would you tell them? Um, I mean, if it's a parent or a coach, because I'm a parent as well, so this is why it's easier for me these days. When people used to ask this question, I'd be like, I don't know. But now, you know, I have kids that are training and training age. So if you are a parent or a coach, it's like be open to 
different ideas. Just because somebody's like a social media guru and they're putting on their page, this is four ways to get faster. That doesn't mean it's true. So as a parent, you, it's your responsibility to dig in and do a little research. And like, oh, this person's famous. They trained X, Y, and Z. That doesn't mean they know any. Are they on top of the current literature? What are their current thoughts and processes and methods? And, you know, are they outside the box thinkers? Or are they just do? So it's kind of your job as a coach and a parent. Like I said, I'm a parent too. And I've hired personal um, coaches for my son for different sports, soccer, football, etc. And I'm like, who is this coach? What's his background? Are they, how do they think? So that's what I'm so like, how does the coach think? I, I'm, I've been in the same boat. Like, my, my stepdaughter's now a freshman uh, playing softball. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. I've done that. You know, it's like, oh, I need to, let me see who this person is. Let me see what you're doing real quick. And, you know, t- total asshole move. But, you know, it's coming with good <laughs> intent, I guess. <laughs> no, I think so. you got to do your research. But, yeah. You know, so I think that's the advice. Don't just do something because the gurus tell you to. Look into it a little bit. Does it make sense? Are you sprinting with a straight leg? Does that make sense to you? Are you sprinting standing tall? Does that really make sense to you? I mean, does it? Like, really? No. So, I like it. I like it. <laughs> it's good stuff, man. Really good stuff. Where where can uh, people find you? If people don't follow you, what's uh, what's your handle? What's your website? How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, through Instagram is usually the easiest nowadays just because I have, you know, constant videos up there, on, like I said, analyzing different techniques. And so it's coach underscore Matt underscore Hank. Um, I have a website, too, where I have some different kind of products where I've analyzed some sprints, drills, and some webinars and things like that, um, coachmatthank.com. You know, we just put out some different ideas, outside-the-box drills, outside-the-box thinking a little bit for sprinting. You know, if you're somebody who wants to punch the ground and just look at force, I probably wouldn't look into these resources. If you're somebody who wants to look outside the box, there you go. That's that's our audience. We're out. We're, we think outside the box. We're off the wall. We're yeah. That's our mm-hmm. audience. That's us. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Makes Absolutely. Sense. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Well, like well, minds, <laughs> bro. It's been great to connect with you. Really yeah. good talking to you. Hearing a little bit more. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Definitely want to dig into it a little bit more. We just covered like one topic here. We got all kinds of stuff yeah. we can we can um, dig into and. I will. Uh, I'll hold true. We'll work something out. But I'll. Uh, I'll see if I can get you that DVD player for that Adam Archuleta video. No, I need to watch it again. Right. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Thanks, guys. That was awesome. Yeah, it's been great Thanks, talking coach. to you, man. Guys, that's the show. If you got some value out of this, which I know you did, just share it. Go pay your dues. That's all we ask. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. That's it. <laughs>